You're listening to Talk Over Me. Hello, my fellow Americans. It is I, Isaac Michael, and we are the TomCast. We currently do not have our middle brother, Seth, with us, but we still have Carter, because he just likes to bum around here. Since when do you say your last name in the intro? (laughs) Did I say your last name? No, you said your last name. Ah, frick. That's fine. Oh, jeez, okay. dude. Now everyone's Somebody's gonna, gonna come steal for my you. identity now. Now everyone's coming for you. You did this to yourself. That's Carter. The other one uh, that hasn't talked yet is Nate. Uh, we are the Tomcast. My name is Nathaniel. Talk about whatever we want. Yeah, my parents didn't want. name me Nate. Come on. My name is Nathaniel, and I just want you guys to know that the 4th of July is the purge for pyromaniacs. <laughs> Wouldn't what does the that purge mean? just be the purge for you know never mind. I mean I well, we don't have a real life purge. I'm saying, but, saying this is us. Oh, okay. I see I see yeah, what you're saying. saying. It's where they're allowed to saying. blow up anything that they want. So yep. for pyromaniacs, it's the it's essentially the purge because um, they can just blow up anything. Insert awful explanation of the quote unquote lore of those movies here. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna do it. That's a waste of my time. Accurate. Someone will do it though. A waste of my talents. So if you can tell me what that's a quote from, then you get a lot of brownie points. Then you get the purge one, two, that and is, three. That is. Uh, <laughs> wait, do I'm I not get brownie points the if purge I say it? one, two, and three for anybody? <laughs> if I if I figure out what that quote is from, do I get brownie points? No, you already know what it's from. Okay, I was about to say it. Carter's not gonna know. He's never played it. <laughs> hey, you give my head. <laughs> what a loser. Oh, yeah, now I just know that it's a video game. There's very few of those. No, At any rate. What, I don't know what the... Um, I'm just going to assume it's Guild Wars. Real it's not Baldur's Gate. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. Okay. Um, ruined so, it for all the listeners. Whatever, man. Um, they had they had plenty of... They had ample time to guess. If they didn't get it by then, they're all losers. There's you like that, two listeners? things you guys you didn't get I'm that warning you from the past. Pause it before I said this so that you could think about where the quote was from. Dude, that's just like Memento. Is Whoa. this directed by Nolan? <laughs> Except that I can't warn them in time. Therefore, they're going to be in a time loop forever. Before I am. All right, let's go. Here uh, at the time of our recording in the present day, it is 4th of July. There's fireworks going off in the background. If you hear those, I'm sorry. We don't have fantastic mics. Um, but I would like to talk That's, about because we're just well, going to ignore those fireworks and ignore the fact that it's Fourth of July. Because by the time that we post this, that's not going to be relevant information anymore. Festivity. Um, I'm going to talk about the fact that I went to a concert this weekend. A Won't concert. that be irrelevant by the time it's posted to? <laughs> it's already irrelevant. <laughs> You already went. I mean, I still went to the concert. It's still an event that well, I... Fourth of July still there. happened. <laughs> well... Sorry, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> Everything we're saying becomes immediately irrelevant because it's in the past already. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. my mind right now, dude. Is this, also a no- is this also directed by Nolan? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is like a, This is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. Oh, don't. Oof. Oof. It's actually a really, really good season. I was a big fan. The one and only fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We found That's not true. It has high critical acclaim after season one. From Rhett. <laughs> no way. And even then, I don't even know why he watches it. Never mind. Guys, it is good. I don't hey. believe you. 
I'll take your word for it. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> um, I will not take your word for it. I will continue Probably to hate not. on that show. Um, Whatever, just go. <laughs> you, you're so tired and worn out, Nate. Um, I am. I'm frustrated. It's almost like you just went to a, a Pixies concert, like I did this weekend. <laughs> um, wow. Was a masterful, masterful segue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so the concert I went to is uh, was the band Pixies, and if you don't know who they are, uh, they probably inspired some music that you listen to, whether you whether loser. you like it or not, or you're a loser. Can we get um, can we get a, a crossover between Sticks and Pixies so we can get Pixie Sticks? Nice, some wow. clever. Actually, it would um, be pretty music, I'll bet though. <laughs> there would be. I have to say something to be had there. This concert was really strange though. Because, like, the first band that was up there was called the Wombats, and they were definitely, like, a modern band. And they definitely, like, had, like, early high school to, like, early college fans there that left as soon as their part of the concert was over. And then there was a bunch of, like, middle-aged people that were just, like, standing around waiting for the Pixies to play for the whole, like, first act. And it was just a very strange crowd. Everybody had, like, one drink. Nobody was, like, dr- drunk or anything because they all had work the next morning. Um, <laughs> I saw, like, a I feel it. like a 45-year-old man with earplugs there, which that was a strange, strange sight to see. Um, but I guess the reason why I mentioned this is that I want to know what you guys think of concerts. Would you ever go to one? Do you like concerts? Have you ever been to them? What, what say you, Nathaniel? Leave a, leave a comment in the the <laughs> subscribe section above. Because we super duper care what you think. Um, <laughs> wow, that's hard. <laughs> I am just dripping with vitriol right now, and I'm sorry I for taking it out on you, dear listeners. Alas, I um, <laughs> I think that I wish I liked concerts more than I actually like concerts. Vitriol. And I think that part of that is because my wife, Nicole, uh, really is not into them. Problem for her being that, like, the music is too loud. And she gets all, I know, and she gets all, like, fecklent. We went to this concert called Center of the Universe Concert, and it was free. And it was pretty cool. Uh, OK Go was playing. I was at And, huh? The first year that uh, the Center of the Universe went on, it was free. Because it was like oh, yeah. the first time that they had it, so it's pretty crazy. They had OK Go and Mute Math, and I think somebody else. I don't know. One Republic was there. Really? Yeah, they were there they the second day. I think it's away. Nice. No, it was I, doing uh, their natives tour, so it was not secrets. That. But um, at any rate, I re- I was pretty into Mute Math, but then like. Uh, Nicole also doesn't like Greek food, and we got we had gyros, so it was like she was like, Whoa! and so we oh, had to like run away. And, <laughs> so I didn't really get to hear "Okay, go." I heard them from like far away. <laughs> As you were running, in the probably place. better to just listen to their music normally. So I guess that's my thing. Is I for one, okay, like most bands play worse live than they do with like you know in the studio, and I get it. You know, it feels it's different, and it's special when it's live. 
And some bands are like really fun to watch. So I guess what I'm thinking is if there's a band who has more of like a performance aspect. Um, okay. So uh, one, one concert I went to, this was without Nicole. It was a Jason Mraz concert. And I don't, know, I don't really like Jason Mraz's music that much, but he's a good performer. And so I actually enjoyed the concert. Um, I also went to an Alison Krauss concert and she's an incredible musician, but I, it was for old people, you know what I'm saying? And so like, <laughs> it uh, wasn't that great of a concert, even though I love her music. I'd rather just listen to it on, you know, on record or whatever, because there was nothing added to it by it being live. So I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm a little skeptical of going to concerts and I feel like I don't know why I would spend all the money on them and be uncomfortable while listening to music when I could be comfortable while listening to music. I get that. I think that a lot of bands that I have heard, and I I haven't been to that many concerts, just a little disclaimer, but most bands that I've heard actually do have like kind of, maybe not a better sound live, but do have a, a little bit different more unique sound and they do feel like they care about the music that they're playing more at the time and they feed off the crowd and so it can be a a um it can feel like a better experience yeah i could see that. that i don't want to like begrudge anybody else enjoying concerts i don't i don't not get it but i just am yeah i think specifically the the one that i'm thinking of right now is um the Wombats, I started listening to their music after the concert because I had never heard them before and I just wanted to see what like see what their other music was like because they basically just played their hits um, there. But even when I went back and listened to their hits, I didn't enjoy them as much because it didn't have as much energy and it didn't feel as um, filled with character of the singer as when it mm. as when it was performed live. I guess I don't know. I guess I'm missing out on something. That's... That is what it is. What say you, Carter? Carter? Yeah, I was like, what, um, Carter, what do you think of concerts? I mean, I've never personally been to a concert, and I'm already not a crowd guy, so the concept of going to a public place with a bunch of a bunch of weirdos and getting <laughs> deafened for a couple hours doesn't like immediately appeal to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it's like if I'm going to see a band that I like I really enjoy and I'm excited to see live because I've never done it before. I'd probably go. I'd just have to shut out the fact that other people exist for a bit. But I'm not opposed to the idea. Like, I don't hate it. Um, I love that you speak about it as if you're being, like, hazed. <laughs> yeah. Because I am. No, but, like, I'm kind of in the middle, leaning a little more towards, like, eh, I don't know if I'd want to go. But, you know, first time for everything. But I can understand you just being like, nah. Just listen to it at home. I get it. Privacy and all that. <laughs> but, you know, there's fun to be had. Uh, jumping into a mosh pit and getting your nose broken. I also get, like, that it's more of, like, a... I don't know. Like, a social experience. It's like, if you have a bunch of friends going or... Remember, yeah. you know, if you have friends going with you, it's not the same as just sitting down on the couch and listening to music together. Because, Lord knows, if you try to show somebody music by playing it for them... They're not, they're, they're not listening ever because everyone, attention. everybody's a douchebag. But if you kidnap so, them, take them to a concert against their will. Exactly, <laughs> their ears will be bleeding with how much they love your people's music choices. <laughs> Am I the only one that listens to other people's music? Music with like a keen ear? 
Um, I try to listen to other people's you're, music, you'd but be I'm a to be honest, I a lot of times ignore it. See, it's not that I'm opposed to the idea of someone like, check this song out. They're like, hey, listen to this song later, just when you get the chance. Like, okay. But like, I don't know, doing it with someone, I don't want to say it feels weird, but I feel like I'm just, I'm not getting the full experience, just kind of sitting around and... Especially when someone's trying to show you something that's like a little bit harder to like, it takes longer to chew on. Like, um, I had a friend who listened to like, like metal and stuff, and I, uh, I can listen to metal, but I like have to like something you can just be like, dude, check it out. Get in the zone. Like, I don't listen to metal regularly, so it's like if someone just starts playing metal, I my first reaction is to be like, that sucks, and and that's just you know, I eventually I'll I can come to terms with it and realize it's good, maybe if it is good. But like not immediately. <laughs> Let's be real. It probably wasn't good. A lot of metal bands that aren't good. Nice. I'll be well, wait, was it Ethan? No, I was jugged. Oh. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was probably. Do you remember really what? Bad. Do you remember what band it was, or did you tune that out too? Um, I have it saved somewhere on my Spotify. Jugged, if you're remember. listening to this, I'm I'm not hating on you. I'm just hating on your musical tastes. Wow, that's on jugs. Okay. Not seeing case. the distinction there, very clear. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think I think showing somebody music in person is akin to like showing somebody a clip of like a comedy thing and expecting them to mm-hmm. laugh. And you're like sitting there the or, whole time, or, like, huh? Uh huh. Do you have the same humor just, as me? Do you get it? Maybe you and then if you it, don't, rewind it. like you or as the person listening, you feel pressured to like it. No Otherwise, context. you're telling them their thing context sucks. Helps. You're devaluing them. Yeah. Yeah. Context is key. All right. Uh, so Nate, you have our topic for today. Right. It's so in your hands, you're holding, and I can see it. Okay. So it's trembling. Okay. So I am okay. working on uh, creating my own role-playing game and as i'm sitting there like creating it and thinking through the world that it's and everything um oh, gosh no <laughs> i kind of had this this uh compulsion to do away with typical fantasy races right so if you're not familiar with fantasy games i that's i don't know who you are um, There's probably very few people. I think I think right. this conversation should be fairly accessible to most people, right? Because so we're mostly going to be talking about elves and dwarves. I decided here. that I or I, I haven't I oh. decided, oh. but what I'm considering is that I don't oh. see a like a good place for elves and dwarves in a fantasy game. I feel like they hold back more than they help, and they're to the point where they aren't a meaningful choice anymore. And I feel like they're more restrictive than they are developmental for a character. And so mm. I wanted to make create my own races that I felt like reflected um, deeper choices and would ex- like would help you define a character rather than restrict a character. Um, so we're going to talk about these typical fantasy races, elves and dwarves and halflings or slash hobbits. And uh, talk about the positives and the negatives and all the features about them. What send makes angry letters work. to Nate's PO box uh, for selling uh, Tolkien's legacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Nate, I think my first question is: What exactly is the baggage that you don't want 
elves and dwarves to have like let's let's talk about that for a second like what okay. what is it about elves and dwarves that makes them um bad in your opinion i guess i don't know i don't know if you would phrase it like that but that's how i'm phrasing it no i wouldn't but i i'm not gonna change it so we'll just work with that it's simpler um okay so the in, Dang, now I watch oh goodness. in dungeons and dragons one the original dungeons and dragons you didn't have races separated from classes right right you had, hum- had a thief you had rogue you had a wizard you had a fighter a cleric and those were all humans and then you had an elf and you had a dwarf and you had a halfling no i actually didn't know that so yep an elf was an elf a dwarf was a dwarf and they don't have a class they just they all dwarves are the same person okay Ooh. yeah <laughs> sorry to any dwarves out there so the the <laughs> concept of these elves and dwarves gaining the same options that humans do of having different classes was a great step in the right direction you know giving like why can't a dwarf do these other things but here's the problem I don't think we ever actually moved out of that mindset. I think that people don't make a dwarf have a class that's not like a metal armor wearing class. You know yeah, I mean? like how many uh, how many dwarf wizards do you see? Yeah, yeah. you don't. You doesn't. And how many? And, and you know, you can make a statement that like, oh, well, that's for practical purposes. Like, oh, the game they don't make doesn't like the that stats that, that, that they well. have don't make yeah, sense. Yeah, the stats that. that they receive aren't. Like, are meant people to be make done subpar characters that. all the time, though. Yeah. In making other subpar choices. So, and I think I don't. I, yeah, I guess. I guess what we have, what we have to realize is that the real reason why we don't want to do it is that we don't really like the theme right. of dwarves, and the theme of dwarves is that they they live underground, they mine, they, they are drunkards, all of them. They're all are beard having like fat bellied like layabouts Isaac's in that your are obsessed with their culture um right. i'm basically just describing myself at this point minus <laughs> the beard minus the facial um, hair that that doesn't happen <laughs> but <laughs> that's i mean that's the baggage that comes along with being a dwarf and though you can make characters that fight those stereotypes and do something to not be like that and do something that is more meaningful with that race and maybe choose to highlight the more ancestral bonds that uh dwarves usually take usually they are they worship their ancestors ancestors as gods um even if you do take that you're almost in these rpgs forced to make yourself something else like you have a beard what if your dwarf? What if you didn't want your dwarf to have a beard? Even Something though that's a, that is a small aesthetic change, especially in the grand scheme of things, it can affect the way that you see your character and the way you play your character. Filthy um, well, beard. and here's the other problem: is that you're you're painting these like alternatives to the standard in the best possible light. I think a lot of times when people go off the standard with these races, when they take a dwarf and they make them a wizard or whatever, they're it's almost so intentional that it's not an improvement. Does that make sense? Like they're just going, they're intentionally opposing the status quo for dwarves in such a way for humor value or just to be quirky. And so at that point, at that stage, a dwarf still isn't acting as any kind of uh, like helpful stage piece or care. Like it's not helping you create your character. You're just 
doing the opposite of what a dwarf is supposed to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is essentially still buying into the tropes, right? Being guided by the tropes, just in an opposite way. Right, and um, I guess we shouldn't just hate on dwarves here. The elves, elves have a very similar problem, though they're Anyone a little bit more open because different interpretations of elves have been more open than different interpretations of dwarves. You um, like divinity where they cannibalize dead bodies? Just because? Oh, just why a not? Plus. Why not? Right? Mm, mm, mm. I like it. Um, I'm a fan. I'm really into it. Twist. Okay, but elves are always pious, or like not pious. Um. Very high and mighty, very like on their high horse all the time, and very prideful. Um, they Stick live in trees, or they live them. in these these vast empires uh, most of the time. They're fair skinned, fair haired, and yeah, fair skinned, fair haired. They live serious. forever. Oh. They um, they look down on other oh. races because they live forever. They have an a natural ability to use magic that no other race can match that sort of those sort of tropes and so what we rarely see other than maybe like a dual wielding fighter we don't see like a elf barbarian running around we don't see i actually made an um, elf barbarian once and how did that go and he was super effective but it was because i had like absurdly overpowered roles and Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i basically wasn't an elf i just was a barbarian I just ignored the aspect that he was an elf because I didn't know how to translate that yeah, no, background into that, his character. No. So basically just ceased to exist. Except yep, as a stats on a sheet. That's that's the problem we run into, especially with RPGs. And I don't want to just talk about it in the RPG context. Uh, even if we go into talking about it in terms of ri- a writing context. If you're writing a fantasy novel. Yeah, if you wrote Aragorn, Dwarves like and Elves... A, um, I think I think it has a little bit more positive set to me whenever you're writing a novel if if you are writing a novel with elves and dwarves in it it can have a little bit more of a positive set you're able to make a little bit more of a spin on it if you want to something like what divinity did where maybe they cannibalize people to get memories you know and that can be an interesting thing while still having all the other stuff and the reason why they can be useful in that context is you can tell your reader that something's an elf and they'll have a clear picture of what an elf is in their head and they can make assumptions based on the genre. Now, obviously, this isn't helpful if you've never read fantasy, but most people that are reading fantasy have always read fantasy or they've at least read J.R.R. Tolkien's work. Okay, so at this juncture, I want to point out two things. Mm-hmm. If that's okay. Unless you have something to say, Carter, because I feel like you've been... No, no keep going. Stuff out, but I have a lot to say. I... Okay, so in Divinity, when they're apparently cannibals, I, I don't know this, I haven't played Divinity, but, um, or I guess for, for one that I know, you have uh, Dragon Age. They did an interesting social thing with elves where they are more like Native American, kind of, and like a lot of them get become enslaved. Um, and so they like play a different, very different role within the world. I mean, not very different, but at least a nuanced role within the world from what you expect from elves. Typically, they have a pretty strong standing in society coming from, like, Tolkien tradition and everything. At any rate, if you're going to change the role of elves, right, to your specific world, at that point, why are they even elves anymore? Well, this is what I'm saying about it being useful, is that if you say that something's an elf, 
then uh-huh. somebody has a clear picture of what an elf looks like, and maybe they have a clear picture of it living in the forest, you know, right. or at least some part of the race having lived in the forest, you know, and the same goes for dwarves. Dwarves will have lived in the mountain. They're short. They usually are very ha- hairy. And it's, right. I think it's more of a um, visual aid in terms of imagining that than it is anything else. Because you can color the color what the race is like in terms of a social context or in terms of um, other things like like in divinity the fact that they cannibalize people for memories, which is yeah. or in Dragon Age that they're enslaved by humans and that the ones that aren't live outside the bonds of um, of civilized society quote unquote and are like this tribal people tribal nomadic people that just kind of wandered through the wilderness yeah i i I get it but like uh i guess what i'm saying is i don't isn't that lazy i don't want to be too rude here but like why can't you create a different looking thing and why can't a reader spend the time few extra sentences to get a picture of what this race looks like. So, okay, to compare this to sci-fi, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. There's definitely tropes with alien races, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not all... There's not a single alien... Like, there's not um, Vulcans in every single sci-fi universe. But there's typically something that acts like a Vulcan, right? So you you have some familiarity, sure, you know, between sci-fi stuff. Um, not always, but you know, there's a lot of things you could draw some similarities between different like space, different alien races, but they're not like so the same. And I just don't know why fantasy feels like it has to do this when I don't know if you can like point at other genres and be like, see, they have this thing where they just carry over the same race all the time, the same set pieces in every single piece of high f- of of this genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't have a good argument against that. Other than maybe the fact that people have more, people feel might feel that they have more room to imagine things with a sci-fi setting in terms of looks, and so it makes it so they want to name it something different, but it might have the same cultural, uh, like cultural <clears throat> meanings and ties as a Vulcan because it looks different. I need to name it something different, yeah. you know. Um, whereas I think the through line throughout any fantasy thing with um with fantasy races is the fact that they look a certain way and that that ends up being a poor excuse i understand that but i think that that's the only excuse i really have um yeah and i guess i'm not saying that like these tropes shouldn't exist so much as i'm saying i wish there were more like high like standard fantasy stories video games whatever rpgs um, that were challenging the status quo. You know what I mean? Like something to break the monotony of always having the same set pieces. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I don't know. That's why I want to make my RPG do that because that's what I hope yeah, other people and do. <laughs> I I entirely agree with you that um within an RPG setting, I don't think it's that useful just to keep on using elves and dwarves. Because elves and dwarves still have to be elves and dwarves constantly in like every way. You can't just 
make your elves and dwarves societally look different unless your RPG game is heavily has a heavy setting to it. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah saying? that's true. A heavily defined yeah, you setting. You have to talk to GM into uh, knowing your world really well so that they can explain it to the players and have them act out the world in its uh, specific ways rather than bringing all their past RPG baggage. Yeah. I think even more so with other races, like something that even even more transcends uh, fantasy. Because a lot of times elves and dwarves will be removed, but something like uh, orcs and goblins will stay around. And right. the assumption that orcs and goblins are raiding, marauding, pillaging... Um, yeah, I mean, orcs even have even gone to transcend fantasy and get into, like, filling up sci-fi and cyberpunk yeah. and everything. Yeah, Thanks yeah, and it's, it's always the same thing. It's <laughs> always Shadowrun. They're it's always they're marauding, they're marauding, pillaging, and raping, and they're evil. Well, and there's no like on... they're they're not indoctrinated into society at all. They're not involved in society at all. They are just this nomadic people. Yeah, they're like a are... demonization of the Norse. <laughs> yeah, or yes, that's uh, of the barbarian tribes. I think yes, absolutely. Anything from Huns to Gauls to Germanians, like I, I, you were absolutely right. It is really a demonization of them, and that's where it comes from. Which I guess now is a good time to talk about why we have these tropes, and where they came from, and the origin of them, and why everything is so stagnant right now. And I guess it all kind of Nate. I know you looked into it briefly, but. Uh, where I always trace it back to is J.R.R. Tolkien, which you have somebody that goes, like, that inspired him. Right, yeah. G.K. Chesterton, uh, in his book Heretics, I believe, and possibly coming from other writings, too. I wish I knew this better. I kind of have it from, like, third-party information. I've read G.K. Chesterton, but I haven't actually read Heretics. But from what I understand, um, so this being limited, don't quote me on this, but basically, G.K. Chesterton kind of came up with the th- this his idea was that fantasy would be the vehicle through which christianity would create uh would recreate the narrative of ironic um, looking at the salvation 80s. and everything wait what'd you say <laughs> you said ironic, ironic looking at the looking 80s, at the 80s. <laughs> <That's very true. laughs> seriously uh, that if, if, you, I know, if right? nobody knows yeah, what exactly 80s rpg opposite. or fantasy art looks like just go look up some 80s fantasy art <laughs> and you can be appalled with and us then, yeah and then you'll immediately be worshiping Satan as soon as you look at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the satanic panic didn't come around until the early 90s, but yes. I, yeah. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, so Chesterton had this like theory about it, and he didn't even write uh, a fictional fantasy story or anything. But he was a lot of the... Uh, he was a strong inspiration for both C.S. Lewis and for Tolkien. Um, and people have traced that, that before. And so basically he kind of, in a way, was the like grandfather of these fantasy races. But he saw them as having a specific purpose in describing aspects of the human condition and uh, our like Christian walk. And so inherently as tropes, they, they were supposed to be trope-like because they were, they were like, carrying a message regarding yeah, aspects of human Yeah, they were more narrative nature. constructs for Christianity more than they were supposed to be. Uh, interesting characters with arcs. Right. Um, and I guess 
I guess that's what I want to point out here is that uh, J.R. Tolkien, that's what he did with his works. He didn't, like, he had, he, obviously he had his characters have character arcs and they go through different things, but especially when we look at The Hobbit and uh, especially just The Hobbit, just as an isolated thing. Um, that's three dwarves separate were movies. just supposed I mean, to be I like a manifestation <laughs> of, dwarves were basically just a manifestation of greed. And that's what they represented. Right. They were just, they were just greed like incarnate. They just wanted to keep all their gold, hoard all their gold in the mountain, and they got punished for it. And that's what the book is mainly about: is um, what happens when we are greedy and how it can punish us. Dragons and come even down and kill you. That, that's what happens. Well, that's what the yeah, war. Dragons is will to be come and kill you and steal too. all your gold. The war is like the culmination of different. You get split like, into three three movies for no reason. Yeah, just yeah, so that they can uh, ruin Peter the entire Jackson message will, of the story. Peter Jackson will come up and chop chop up chop you up into three separate pieces, and make sure Legolas dances on your grave. Um, yeah, it does anime but, stuff on floating rocks. Jeez, those movies are bad. We can talk about the Hobbit movies some <laughs> other time. That's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> Could go um, on. But, for a while. Yeah, even within The Hobbit, the little appearance that elves make, um, they were supposed to be like a clear representation of pride. Um, yeah. And man was kind of... I don't know, I don't know exactly what man is supposed to represent. I know that throughout, mm-hmm. Lord, like throughout Lord of the Rings... Just been man uh, man. Yeah, man is almost always represents just the weaknesses of men. Like, it just... The, the follies of men and I felt like it was something like so desperation weak. to survive or that would make sense I yeah I feel like that was guess... their main driving factor was almost like like justice yeah um and I I guess like where um and hobbits represented sloth like that's that's kind of what they what everything yeah. was and that's where our tropes come from is, uh, most of the time uh, Gary Gygax was inspired by J.R. Tolkien. That's just a fact of the matter. That's, I mean, uh, he was obviously inspired by mm-hmm. other authors as well, and I don't know many authors that he was inspired by other than J.R. Tolkien, but you can kind of see the through line between Tolkien's work and most other fantasy, um, and the themes that kind of permeate the different races. And I guess what I'm trying to say here is that we shouldn't feel locked down by them because what Tolkien was trying to do was trying to send a message with them mm. not try to define them purely based on that they were yeah. it wasn't that he was trying to create this world to be a world used for rpgs he was creating, yeah, he wasn't it. creating the, the middle earth expanded universe yeah he was what he was creating was a <laughs> message for christians uh, and telling them the different follies of diff- of people and what to look out for and how um, that permeating your whole life can really mess things up for you. Um, right. So what I'm landing on based on what you're saying is that those fantasy races, and you kind of said this, but I think I agree with you more now than I did before, but um, those fantasy races might make more sense for authors than they do for RPG games, role-playing games. Um, exactly. But more coming from the same perspective as Tolkien, that you can use a fantasy race to carry some kind of message rather than using it as like a world building tool. I mean, you can use it as a world building tool as well. 
but I just feel like those specific races were built with a purpose. So um, if you don't mind me giving an example, like I want one of my races to be actually cold-blooded in, in my fantasy game. And so instead of having, instead of me dictating a personality type to you, which is what I feel like, which is what I dislike about elves and dwarves, right? Is mm. you're, by telling me that elves and dwarves have a certain personality type, aren't you telling me that humans are like set up with a certain personality type? Like, no, humans yep. have all sorts of different it's, personalities. So why can't elves and dwarves? It's entirely insane. I and and I was, so I also what want I think to talk about something else here is, in a second. Huh? I want to talk about something else here in a second. Just a brief okay. little rant about uh, the stereotypes of races in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I agree. It's gonna be good. But anyway, so I want to create a race that has that's cold blooded, right? So I'm telling you, not a personality trait, but a physical attribute, and that may have an effect on your personality for sure. But you know, so if you're trying to like not stay in cold environments for too long, not stay in hot environments for too long, you're susceptible to heat and cold damage, and blah 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 blah. Um, and so that kind of thing uh, kind of dictates how your what your character, what actions your character takes, and maybe like the kinds of um, role-playing choices you might make and so forth, but it's not telling you what kind of personality you have or who you who your character is. You still decide that, and it's it's only having an effect on them insofar as it's your physical attribute. Any physical attribute would affect your personality, right? Like having a human character that's really strong and low intelligence. That's having an effect on your personality, obviously. So having a character that has that's cold-blooded might have an effect on your personality. But it's organic rather than me dictating it to you. You're an elf, right. therefore you're a proud dickbag. Like, um, so I, I, that's kind of what I want to shoot for because I feel like elves and dwarves have just been abused and they're just this weird fantasy love child and people are just too married to the the standard concepts of them. And I don't know if they can ever really be used in a positive way again in, in role-playing games, at least. I think they could be if you were really trying, like what you were trying to do was capture a high fantasy feel and trying to play up the like classical um, roots of the genre. If that's mm. what you were trying to capture, I think it would work well, but I think that otherwise you're right with any new um, fantasy game that's trying to be unique and different, I think that we should start straying away from that. Um, one brief thing I want to talk about with the tropes of races and how it's per- like how it's perpetuated throughout um, history that's kind of funny to me is that it has an inherent racial issue of telling me that all orcs are evil. Oh, I had a feeling that's where you were going with this, with the language. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing. It's also telling me that all dwarves are strong, and all elves are nimble. And the way that, like, this would be fine if they were, like, vastly different races. Like, I'm fine with something like a dragonborn having more strength. That is a creature dragon, that is like, both, like, like yeah. half dragon and half human. Like, that's that makes sense to me. They would have more strength. But something that's just, like, slightly different, like a halfling just being faster or, or like, be able to hide better. Like, it's – there's something, like, inherently, like, kind of gross, like, racial assumption there that I'm not I'm comfortable with so anymore. I'm going to hide better, like, yeah. Yeah, well, dwarves – like, my favorite one is that dwarves uh, have, like, resistance to poison. 
Why do yeah, they have Yeah, because they're drunkards, all of them. <laughs> that's oh. like, that's the thing! They have alcohol in their blood. Oh my goodness. They're fat. It's, it's so <laughs> funny Amazing. to me. And like, what if, what if we lived in a world where somebody tried to do that with like a modern, like with a, a RPG set in modern day, and they were like, all black people run really fast. They and jump all higher. Asian people like, are smart. And uh, like everybody would be like, Whoa <laughs> Calm down, dude. But as soon yeah. as you take it into fantasy and you say all orcs are evil, that's okay suddenly. Like it's so it's so <laughs> weird to me and it makes me uncomfortable. Like playing like playing this game sometimes because oh, I'm that's- like that's even without going into the fact that the that fantasy races in like Gygax tradition tend to represent races of human uh-huh. beings. So, that's the that's but, the funniest thing to me is that Gygax was definitely a little bit racist, and that's why it makes me more bit. uncomfortable more than a little bit racist, which is why <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable sometimes playing this game. I'm like, why have we not strayed away from this? Why have we not strayed away from alignments tied to our race? Why have we not strayed away from the fact that our races give us stat boosts? It's just because it's an assumption of the genre that I will, if I choose a race, it will give me certain uh, stat boosts so I can play a certain class that matches with the race. Yep. And it's not it's not <sighs> about the other abilities that it gives you and that's one of the things I like about what your idea is is that and I I would um implore you to not give stat attribute or stat boosts to your races or just make all the races very very different in terms of um <clears throat> like the cold-blooded thing works. Mechanics. Yeah, They're that's what I want to do, is like, not give them just like a, like, oh, they have plus two to this, minus two to that. I want them to have, like, a mechanic that's entirely different. Well, and not, so basically, not you just, just play that, a human like, if, if you're lazy. If they're, if, like, that their physical attributes in terms of, like, who, like, how they're shaped and what they are, are distinctly different if you are going to still do stat boosts. Oh, yeah, Because yeah, yeah, I think sure. it makes, like, I think there is some sort of racial connotation there if they're like just slightly different humanoids that run faster you know like it's just like it's just kind of a a weird thing and that's why i like what you've been doing is with this cold-blooded race and everything is that it doesn't it doesn't make me uncomfortable so yeah i guess that's where i stand with it and that i think that i think that tropes can be useful i think in the end uh, tropes are a useful tool for um, making people more comfortable whenever they're reading something and making it so it expediting the process of descriptions and things like that. But I think in specifically the case of RPGs, um, it's not fantastic. Uh, Carter, do you have anything to say about this topic? I know we kind of um, just, no. just kind of took this topic by the... the... The nice bullet point at the end. That might be that might be the pinnacle of our whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. No, I got nothing. D and D is racist. It's right I should also say I don't find right anything there. wrong with any of the developers of D and D right now. I think the developers of D and D right now are fantastic people, from what I can tell from Twitter. Um, I I like D and D. I I we like all, we D&D all like D and D here. 
And, we trust them, and I like, like the people you know. that develop D&D a lot. I think that they're really cool people on Twitter, and I am not calling them racist, because I know that they're not. Well, But I'm just saying, maybe. hey, <laughs> maybe your game is a little bit racist. <laughs> I'm sure they know. Yeah, they probably do. But they're probably also stuck in a rut of not being able to change it. Um, yeah, I doubt that because it's going to be hard to course correct from here. Yep. Because oh, yeah, imagine if changed. one of them came on, they're like, uh, nope, blank race no longer has that. And it's like, <laughs> a, you know, one of the conventions that's super well known. I can't think of one off the top of my head that would be a good example. But like, they came out and said that. People were like, mm, mm, and they wagged their fingers at them. But like, you know, what are you going to do? So, wag their fingers at them. All of them would re in unison. They would re, and then they would get sent death threats. Exactly. Um, okay, so now we're going to move on to the music section of the podcast. And now it's time for the TomCast Music Recommendations section. Enjoy. This is the music section of our podcast where we suggest to you different bands and artists and um, albums and kind of give you a little elevator pitch for them because we like to share things with you people because you listen to us, assumably. Um, so, Nate, do you want to kick us off with your suggestion? Sure. I have been really into like more than I should be, I feel like. I'm borderline unhealthily into James Supercave. So random. I don't know how I found this guy. He's uh, it's quite the name. He's got one album. He's got like an EP. But man, oh man, such a beautiful fusion of garage rock and just like relaxed um, electronica. I guess I don't know if I want to call it that. <laughs> it's kind of like an XX sort of thing if you're familiar with that. And he's just got some like really. Uh, ethereal vocals just kind of almost going like operatic and the rhythms of it are just phenomenal the guitar playing is terrific but it doesn't feel like, like a rock guitar or something i don't know man he's just it's so good i highly recommend the song the right thing and better strange um but the whole album is really great it's there's parts that are laid back there's parts that get you like sitting forward and paying attention um it's a great ride through the whole album those two songs really stand out to me. What? Sorry, say the name of the artist again. James Supercave. My suggestion for this week is um, it's kind of a kind of a throwback a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. Metric. Mm-hmm. Now, Metric, I I personally they didn't come into my radar very well until the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out, in which nice. they did a few songs on it. Uh, notably Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Um, that song is epic. That song is amazing. The soundtrack for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is amazing. Have you listened but, to Pagans in Vegas? I haven't even yes, heard Yes, I have. Album. Is it good? I have listened to Pagans in Vegas. It's it's a little bit more electronic than uh, Fantasies, which is the album I'm recommending. I'm recommending Fantasies. It's a little bit more electronic than Fantasies, but and a little bit, I guess, more poppy? Did you know that she also has a solo career? I did not know that. It's pretty good. It's a little more alternative. But if you don't know about 
metric. Nate, how, help me here. How would you kind of describe metric? Did you ask how I would describe them? Yeah. Pretty pretty solidly garage rock, I would say. Really? I, All right. Yeah. I, okay. I'm at, I'm, least, I'm. at least fantasies is um, maybe not. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Makes so, from there, but I mean, Stadium Love is like pure garage rock. That's very true. Uh, from the beginning to the end of this album, though, it's a freaking banger. Like you gotta listen to this whole thing. You might be tempted at blindness to skip it, but you gotta stick through that whole song because it gets really good near the end. Uh, I usually am most- a little bit not a huge fan of Collect Call, but I mean, it all fits mm-hmm. together really well. Uh, I think the best songs on this on the album though are "Help I'm Alive," uh, "Give Me Sympathy," and "Sick Muse." Those are probably Satellite the three mind. best. And "Help I'm Satellite Alive" mind is really good, but I think "Help I'm Alive," "Sick Muse," and "Twilight Galaxy" or sorry, not "Twilight Galaxy," "Give Me Sympathy" are probably the best ones. So, Carter, what uh, what's your music suggestion? I am going to recommend. Um, I'm going to suggest Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Um, I think they count as an indie band. I don't remember. I don't know what classifies as indie anymore. <laughs> Too true. But, um, yeah, like, seriously. But they're, I believe, a New Zealand rock band. But, like, the, the, way, the reason I like their music, and I should suggest the album first. Uh, I'm going to suggest their second album, uh, just called Two, as in, like, the Roman numeral Two. Um, really good album. Um, but I like them because, like, they they they're a rock band, but they like fuse kind of what's the way to describe it? Kind of like a not all the way like fully one hundred percent like kind of a, a lo-fi hip hop type beat structure to it. It makes it sound really nice. In uh, the way the lead singer, I forget his name, matter. Uh, does vocals kind of reminds me of um, the lead singer of Glass Animals, which is also a good band. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, recommending two, just the Roman numeral, uh, and maybe their new album, uh, Sex and Food. I know, quite a name. Um, just came out. Also quite good. But yeah, that's my thing. Are you sure you're not talking about the the album Two by Boys to Men? I am sure. They also have Are you an sure album you're not talking about Led two? Zeppelin 2? No, see, that's but that has something before the 2. This is just 2. So, nice. Um, they're pretty good. good. Alright, so this has been the TomCast. I hope you enjoyed our uh, the Nathaniel and Isaac show um, um, of um, us talking about uh, tropes. Um, <laughs> I, this was this was a shot at us, Carter. I'm not shooting at you. This was a shot at us talking, like kind of running you over I mean, that was, whole time. I mean, I was fine with listening. Um, it's fine. I love getting railroaded. D and D jokes. Oh man, how how accessible. Um, <laughs> jab your father, or my misremembering. Right. Uh. I'll uh, I'll see you later, nerds. I hope you have a nice day, week, night, month. Uh, the fireworks stop, so our night is already considered. And still going. Sucks to be you, Nate. All right. Yeah. See you later, sweet babies. <laughs>
Listen, here's what we need to know about fireworks. They suck. They're uninteresting. They make loud noises. They freak out dogs. Um, they trigger people's PTSD. Stop using fireworks.